Father Lee and I always get together to talk about our homilies. We take the first few days of the week to pray and get our own thoughts together, and then we sit down and see, well, what did you come up with? And we pick his. Uh, but uh, this week, when we, <laughs> when we sat down, um, a really powerful thing happened, I think. I mean, you'll know in a few minutes. Uh, but where we both looked at this gospel as a kind of walk through our mass, our time together, and neither of us had really seen that before, uh, but we're gonna get after that. Uh, but the first thing I wanna point out is, uh, you know, when I, when I got here, um, we had to build a new church. I don't know if you remember, uh, it was easy. Uh, but I didn't know what, you know, I don't know anything. So uh, I, I prayed and was so funny about a month after I had a dream and uh, I saw this window and I drew the window and I drew an altar. I mean, drew it like a three-year-old, but, uh, and that's what this is, this, this sanctuary. Um, someone who has skill and talent, again, drew it like an adult would. And, uh, but that's what this is. But then the other thing I did was I, I wrote these words, right, at Entroivo ad altare dei, which means, uh, and I will go to the altar of God. Yeah, and I will go to the altar of God. And for those of you old enough, you may remember that the response of the congregation was to God who gives joy to my youth. Do you remember this, anyone? Bueller? No, all right. Uh, and then in the back, I wrote, Mane nabiscum domine. Um, Stay with us, Lord. Stay with us, Lord. Because that's in today's gospel. And there's something so beautiful and earnest and tender and lovely of this story where the disciples are walking with Jesus. They don't know it. He's just a guy as far as they know. But when they get where they're going, he's going to keep going. And I would love to know where Jesus was going. It just cracks me up. But they got him to stay just by saying... Stay with us. Stay with us, Lord. So he did. And something beautiful happened, huh? And that's at our leaving so that we remember this. When we go away from here, to Lord, stay with us. It's not we come here, pick up our, our Jesus ration, and then go out and, you know, whatever. No, it's, it's we connect with Christ, and then we carry him everywhere we go. But... Uh, I would love for us to look at this reading and see the Mass, the thing we're doing right now. And the first thing is that Jesus was walking with them and they didn't recognize him. And to both Father Lay and I, and we kind of cracked up about how easy it is to forget Jesus is here. And some of that's just because we're human. Um, true story. Uh, what, two, three, four years ago, the diocese did ordinations at this one church, and I'd been assigned there, uh, or I'm sorry, I'd been a parishioner there for a bit, and when we walked in, I was with a priest friend of mine, and all over the ceiling of this church are these little tiles, and uh, he said, wow, that's a lot. How many do you think are here? And I was serious. I said, 465. He's like, what? And he says, you can't go to Mass here and not count those tiles, right? When you're in eighth grade, that's all the entertainment available to you at church, yeah? It's like one, two, three, you know, and then a half hour later, 50, 
one, two, you know. And Father preached long enough where anything was possible. Uh, it's hard to stay focused at Mass. We zone out. We immerse ourselves like we start thinking about, and I'm even tempting you, aren't I? You're thinking about that dude at work. Yeah? You're thinking about that thing at home. It happens. It's part of the struggle of being human. We come here to worship God, and theoretically, it's about an hour, and he might get eight minutes of it. But we're in the fight, aren't we? We're striving. We're trying. We're giving God our best, and he finds it beautiful. It's hard to see Jesus with us here sometimes, but he is. And we need to remember that, that as we walk with him during this mass, he's here. The second principle is that these, these were two guys walking together. Um, and together is a big part of this celebration. If you think about it, nothing what unites us? How's that? What brings this group of people together? It's not geography, although it might be a factor. It's not social economic status. It's not race. It's not politics. We're all different on all those things. But everyone here believes Jesus rose from the dead. Everyone here. Jesus is what unites us. We are walking together with a conviction that God deserves this. That the least we can do is worship God once a week. That's the least we can do. This binds us. This brought us here together. And like those disciples walking together, they were, they were working through their own thing. They had just been gravely disappointed by God. They thought God was going to do A, God did M. And they didn't even know the end yet. All they knew is the one thing they were sure wouldn't happen, happened. And their heartbreak and their disappointment, they talked about it together. They walked together. There is, according to our church documents, three primary manifestations of God at this Mass. And number one is this, this community that we're united by God. And that's pretty amazing. Now, as they tell Jesus, and which is ironic, isn't it? They're telling Jesus what happened to him because they don't know it's him, right? You would not believe what happened. You know, yeah, I really would, you know. <laughs> And what is his answer to their pain? He talks scripture to them. He talks the word of God. Again, Jesus does so many things you and I wouldn't. Like to me, it'd be like, wait do you hear this. Yeah, I'm the guy you saw get killed. But no. Instead, he walks them through scripture and helps them understand they were wrong about God. They were wrong about who God is. That God expresses his strength through tenderness. That God expresses his power through humility. That God, when owed, gives instead of takes. 
And the only way he could get them there was through Scripture. And in that church document that tells us the three things, primary context of God, number one is this group. Number two is the Word of God. We heard God's Word today. You know the old what would Jesus do bracelets? Remember those? Someone told me when I first saw it, it was World Wrestling Jamboree in Detroit. And I'm like, that's a, that's a weird thing to be committed to. But, uh, and I found out, what would Jesus do? We don't have to guess. We don't have to speculate. We know. Not reading God's word, not immersing ourselves in the word of God, is one of the reasons we struggle more than we need to. Because we can know God by reading about him, by thinking about him. It is a powerful thing to think of that at one point in each gospel, well, more than one in a couple of them, Jesus has been healing the sick all day, right? That's the schedule, 8 a.m., wake up, you know, 8.05, heal sick, go to bed, wash, rinse, repeat. And as long as he's healing bodies, oh, man, they're lined up. But at one point in every gospel, and again, two or three in some of them, people are like, stay, we got more sick. But his answer is, it's not why I'm here. I came to preach the kingdom of God. That what Jesus knew is that he can heal our bodies, but they will break down again. Every person Jesus cured of sickness died. Everyone. But he has a greater healing here, a healing of our souls, a freedom from the tyranny of the devil. And we can learn that healing. We can know that healing by knowing his word. So it's a part of mass that we should make a part of our life, just like community. We have the presence of God in this holy gathering. We have the presence of God in the word. And then we see that when they sit down together, finally, the seven-mile walk is done. And they sit down and Jesus does something that he does a lot in the Gospels. Every time someone gives Jesus bread, the following words occur. He took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Every time. Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, gives away. Now in the Gospels this had happened numerous times already. Such that when Jesus did it this time. Took the bread. Blessed it. Broke it. And gave it. They knew who he was. That pattern was so familiar to them. And that is for us. The Eucharist. You'll hear me say it in a couple minutes. Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then, after we've taken, blessed, and after I've taken, blessed, and broken, yeah, and broken bread, I'll give it to you. Not because you need bread, but because we need Jesus. We need him inside of us. We need to become what we eat. This is the Mass, isn't it? We're together. We hear God's Word. We receive the Eucharist. And then we go out. 
And make no mistake, it says when they left, you and I again, and I totally get this. I heard this passage all my life, and until I took scripture classes, I didn't get this. One of the most shocking parts of the story is, quote, so they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem. Now you may remember, it was creeping on night when they went inside. They walked home in the dark, seven miles. And to be clear, that was the most dangerous thing you could do. In this day, the Romans were in charge there, as they were everywhere, and they had a rule that you'll never see on the TV shows depicting this time. You couldn't move goods at, during the day. You couldn't load up a cart. You know how you always see that in the shows? They're hauling carts with straw or wood. They couldn't do that during the day. He needed the roads open. Julius Caesar decreed it about 38 years before Jesus was born. Can't move goods during the day. Need the streets open. So when can you move goods? At night, when there's no lights. You didn't have torches. Everything was made of wood. And so who was out at night? Um, the people with lots of treasure to move and the people who really, really want that treasure, yeah? It was an unspeakably violent time at night such that social rules all the way from what we call Italy now all the way to what we call Syria and everywhere in between were if you were at someone's house in the sunset, you slept there. It's that dangerous. They weren't afraid anymore. They weren't even rational in their joy. And that's for us, huh? We who recognize that Jesus has been walking with us this whole stinking time and we missed it. What we recognize is Jesus present to us in this gathering, in the Word and in the Eucharist. He's going to go with us out the door. You never have to be alone again. We never have to be afraid again. And our job is to go out there and say, I found out something extraordinary. That's what they did. And that's what we should do. What should make us different from non-Christians is our joy. And our fact that we're not afraid to walk in the dark, whatever the dark may be. And we're not afraid to tell people you won't believe what I found out. So this is, I think, our blessing and our challenge from today's gospel. And the blessing and the challenge of Easter. And I thank God for you choosing to worship him today. Making the choice to set aside your time. Recognizing it wasn't really your time anyway. And giving it to the Lord. I honor you for that. And I pray that as you do it, that we all recognize he is here. He's here in your faithful, beautiful, broken hearts. He's here in our beautiful children. He's here in so many ways. He's here in the word. He's here in the Eucharist. Let's enjoy that and share it with the world. Amen? Amen. Okay.